if you have your Bible, go with us to Acts chapter 2. Also, if you would like to celebrate Doris's party with us, we'll be here at 3 o'clock this afternoon in the Fellowship Hall. I don't know if I said 3 o'clock, but if you'd like to join us, we'll be in the Fellowship Hall at 3 uh, this afternoon. I know you have just come off the opportunity of uh, celebrating the 4th of July, and I pray you had a great time doing that. I spent some time, as you think about the you know, 4th of July, we're celebrating independence, which is a neat opportunity for us, and we have a, the privilege to live in the United States of America. But as you think about independence, I just want to say something to you at the end of your 4th of July experience. The more you learn to become dependent on Jesus, the better your life will be. So really what we need to be celebrating is not independence, but dependence. Yes, thank you for the opportunity to live in the United States of America, but God, we choose you today to be dependent on. Because everything that is going on around us is encouraging us as individuals to live our lives. Say, yeah, I can do this, but you can't. And so to pause as you end your celebration time, Maybe you need to go back home and light off a bottle rocket and say, listen, I am declaring my dependence on Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Just for those of us who are older, please don't do that at midnight. I don't know why you need to shoot it at midnight, you know, but um, we go to bed at that time frame. So, um, but I just wanted you to think about that. Acts chapter 2, uh, this morning is where we're going to be. Uh, Passage of scripture that you are probably really familiar with. And so I've titled this morning, Power Has Arrived, and so I thought this was pretty good for us living in Florida. Uh, we're entering into the season, if you need some power, I'm not suggesting you buy this type of generator, I'm not getting any endorsements for it, but um, a couple of things that I want you to see this morning out of the Acts chapter 2 passage of Scripture. Uh, first thing that we're going to have a chance to talk about is that Jews are gathered in Jerusalem. And this is not just a coincidence, and you'll see that through the truth of Scripture. There's going to be a sermon preached in Acts chapter 2. I find it very interesting, the message. I find it very interesting what Peter's going to say in his message. We'll have a little time to look at that. And then this morning, the last thing that we're going to look at is a group of individuals that devote themselves to something. And it's interesting to me, living in the 21st century in the United States of America, to pause and actually look what they are saying. Okay, we devote ourselves to some specific things which will be totally contrary to the culture that you live in today. And so now we are going to ask the Lord to say, okay, maybe we need to make some adjustments in our own personal life. So let's start off with the Jews gathered in Jerusalem. So if you have your Bible, start in chapter 2, look at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from the heavens a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and they divided tongues as fire appeared on them and rested on each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This morning as we are gathered around the Word of God, the Holy Spirit arrived 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. So as you look at the truth of Scripture, you have some individuals that are gathered around and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Boom. And they spoke in other languages, and you'll see that in a little bit farther. But this morning as you sit here, how does that affect you and your seat? 
it affects you that now, the day that you said yes to Jesus, you have now received power in every area of your life. And also, you have received power to free yourself of yourself. Because probably the biggest enemy is you sitting in your own seat, is you. It's amazing what you tell yourself that is not true. So now this morning, we do not have any excuse to say, well, we can't do this. Well, I can't forgive. Well, I can't go there. No, you have power this morning. Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Now, the interesting part is, and when I say the Holy Spirit lives in you, I'm talking to somebody that said, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. I've accepted the free gift of salvation. Nothing more, nothing less. Jesus is all mine. If that's you, you have power this morning. And your life should never be the same. Because something living in you is greater than you. The same power that rose Jesus Christ from the grave is inside of you today. Now that doesn't mean all of our struggles go away, and that doesn't mean all of our failures go away, and that doesn't mean all of our inadequacies go away, but we have power this morning. You know what I think is really interesting? is the next verse. Verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, and I don't know if you, have your, if you have an NIV Bible. I'm reading out of my ESV version Bible. It says, devoted men from every nation under heaven. I want you to stop and look at the word devoted men. You have some individuals that are in Jerusalem, not just by coincidence, not just by chance. Oh, let's just go to Jerusalem today. It'll be a great road trip. No. And not only do you have just, if you, re, if you want to see who's all there, start in verse 9. And you can read all the way down to verse 12 of all the different people that are in Jerusalem. And what makes this day so amazing is all of these people from all these different places are devoted Jews. And when one of them speaks, no matter where they're from, they all understand. They understand the language that is coming out of their mouth. Now, you can go about whatever, you know, however you want to interpret this. The way I can best illustrate it would be like me showing up at Isaac's home on a Sunday morning where their pastor is and me standing up and giving a message and I'm speaking English and all of those Korean kids are understanding me in Korean. That's the power that we're talking about. And I still believe God can do those things. If God wants me to send me to Timbuktu, Africa, if you can get me on the airplane, I really don't like to fly a whole lot anymore, but if you can get me on the airplane, God is going to get me there. And if God wants those people in that village, wherever it is, to hear me speak English and they hear it in their native tongue, God can do that. But what I want you to notice is the word devoted. These individuals journeyed to Jerusalem for a reason. The scriptures had done something in their soul, so they're really there celebrating the Feast of Weeks. If you have some time, you can look at Exodus chapter 34, 22 to, to 23, and you can see all the different celebrations. I don't have time this morning to explain all that, but I want to show you something about these individuals. Take your Bible and go with me to James chapter 1, starting with verse 19. And I'm thinking specifically about the word devoted. All right, And I want to define the word devoted out of passages of Scripture. Okay, 
So you have some individuals that are sitting there. We are told that they are devoted men. So what does that mean? Well, I interpret it this way. James chapter 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brethren. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's another sermon for you. I will encourage you to be quick to listen. That that does not mean when you're listening to people, you already have the answer. That you're going to tell them as soon as there's a pause in the conversation. That's not what we're talking about. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness that implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looked intently in his face in the mirror, and that for he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he looks like. But one who looks in the perfect law of liberty and preserves being, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer, who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You know why I believe these men were devoted men? They were doers of the word of God. They were not in Jerusalem for vacation. They were in Jerusalem to celebrate the truth of Old Testament. Another passage of Scripture, since you go to the right in your Bible, to 1 Peter chapter 2, pick it up in verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter's words. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Have you received mercy? Have you been rescued by the gospel? And you being rescued by the gospel, how has that affected how you live your life? Devoted. Even though you have these people, and even though you have languages, you'll find something else in Acts chapter 2. Some people are going to mock. And no matter what you do with the Word of God, there are going to be individuals that are probably going to laugh at you and say, you know what, that book really doesn't make a difference. That book is not absolute truth. That book is this. Oh, that's just old school. Oh, you're not having any fun. So, and I want you to see that in in Acts chapter 2. Look at the end of Acts chapter 2. And all them were amazed in verse 12, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. So some people believe that these new Jewish believers that have been baptized and filled by the Holy Spirit are drunk. And so they're mocking them. I don't know where you will go, but I have a feeling that the longer that you have life on this earth, the more you talk about the truth of Scripture, the more people are going to laugh at you. And so it'll be interesting to see how devoted are you really? Will you allow the individuals to make fun of you? Will you allow people to say that you're old school? Will you allow you to say that you're not having any fun? That will be between you and Jesus. But I want to remind you this morning, a devoted person is a doer of the word, not just a hearer. 
that our lives are different, demonstrated by our actions, not just by our words. Okay. The question will be now is, will you receive that power that's available to you in your life to do something for you? Will you allow the Holy Spirit that has been given 2,000 years ago to say, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me. And we can spend a, uh, some time talking about this, but just because I was baptized when I was a believer, when I said yes to Paul Patton in that service when he was talking about heaven and hell, and I said yes, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit. But I believe the Holy Spirit continues to fill me day to day, week to week, hour by hour. I think one person said it this morning, we're all kind of like a little cistern. There's just things that leak out. And there's a temptation to find things of this world to fill me back up again. But those things only empty me, if I'm honest. So what will you do this afternoon to say, Lord, I'm, I'm here and I need you to fill me back up again. Lord, I'm discouraged today. Would you fill me back up again? I know you're in church, so none of you say, would say that you're worried, but whatever that you're concerned about, because the Scripture is very clear, do not worry, but you're real spiritual here. You would say, I'm not worried, I'm just concerned. You're just a liar, and we all know it, so we'll just call it a lie out front in front of everybody. But those of you that like to deceive yourselves, it's okay. Whatever you're concerned about, will you say, Holy Spirit, I'm concerned today. God, would you help me today? I have a concern. It'll be your choice today. The next thing that I want you to see is the sermon that was preached. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. And Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. There's going to be a sermon preached by Peter. So you've got Peter and you have those around him or standing with Peter. Addressing a crowd, a really addressing a, a crowd of mockers. As he's going to address this crowd, it's interesting. And again, before you take your Sunday afternoon nap, you want to go back and read the book of Joel. But it's interesting the things that he's going to say. He's going to bring up Old Testament truth that these Jews should have known. But they really didn't want Jesus to be their Messiah, so they rejected Old Testament truth. They knew about Joel. They knew it was going to take place in the last days. Go over to verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Now look, look what he's going to say specifically. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, with mighty works, wonders, signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. They're mocking an individual that did miraculous things in the front of them. It wasn't like some Jesus they were talking about that was 20 years ago. We're talking it's been 10 days that he's went and ascended to his father. We're talking maybe 50 days after his crucifixion. 50 days after they talked about how they placed the Roman guard around the tomb and now the tomb is empty. 50 days. And so now, Peter says to them, Hey, you guys, 
God sent you a sign. His name was Jesus. And he did mighty works and wonders. As you yourselves know. Look at verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to a definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. Foreknowledge of God? Yeah, he was prophesied about in Joel. He was prophesied about in Micah chapter 5. He would be born. Where he would be born. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God has raised him up. Now think about this. You've got one individual, Peter. You've got the 11 that are around them. And the only thing that we really know about the crowd is that they're mocking him. And what we do know at the end of this passage, you'll get a chance to see this, that 3,000 people came forward for repentance and asked for forgiveness of sins and were baptized. So we know that's what took place, 3,000. So how many others were around there? I don't know, okay? But Peter's looking at this crowd, and he's telling them, you're the ones that crucified him. But God had a plan. And God rose him from the grave. And you will see in just a second that Peter will say, I am a witness of the risen Christ. I will testify to this publicly. I don't care what you think. So this morning, he's gonna, he, there's eight things there. He's going to talk about David, which I don't, I don't have time for this morning. But I want you to go to verse 29. Brothers, I may say to you with the confidence that my patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, he would set no one as descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. That is what is not abandoned to Hades. So just remember... That little word, Hades, is a reference to hell. And I don't care, even if you live in the United States of America, and I don't care if people are writing books about it all across America, that there's not a literal hell anymore. The Apostle Peter, in his first message, makes a comment about Hades. First message. Eyewitness account of the Messiah is reminding those people that are around him in that crowd that are mocking and making fun of him, oh, yeah, you're all just drunk. Well, just remember, he wasn't abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God raised up. And of that, we are all witnesses. You can laugh, and you can think that we're drunk, Peter said on that day, I have something to attest to you, and I will testify in front of this crowd publicly. The one that you crucified, he's alive. And I want you to know that. And so this morning as you're sitting here, maybe just ask yourself this little question. Is there enough witness inside of you to say that Jesus Christ is alive today by your actions? Would we be willing to stand up and testify what God is doing in our lives to change us from who we were to who we are today? Can we say that?
But all the house of Israel therefore know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now then, when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, can you imagine? I mean, total, going in a totally different direction. Oh yeah, we're going to mock you. You guys are totally drunk. The Holy Spirit shows up and he convicts their heart. And they ask the question, what shall we do to be saved? And Peter said to them, a word that you probably don't hear a lot of, well, you know, God loves you. God's all for you. You know, he sent his son on the cross. He died for you, but three days later he rose again. It's interesting what Peter says to the crowd. He says these words. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of what? What does your Bible say? It doesn't have a little word before that? What was? It? What does it say? You guys need to admit that it's your sins that crucified. Peter says to the crowd, you need to admit that you're wrong. You need to admit that he is the Messiah, that he did miraculous things in front of you. We need to hear from your words, your mouth. Has there ever been a time in your life out of your mouth came? And the words can be varied in different sins, okay? This is, the words aren't specifically, okay, I have to say it just this way. But have you ever admitted before your Heavenly Father that you're wrong and that you need forgiveness for your sins? Has that ever happened in your life? Have you ever admitted to your Heavenly Father that you might have been wrong? These individuals have bought into the lie of the day. Oh, it's all about the law. All this Messiah is going to come back, and he's going to rule and reign, and Jerusalem's going to be awesome. Yeah, the Messiah came, but he came to be a servant. He didn't come to be a dictator or a mighty ruler. He came to give his life for somebody else, for your sins. And you will receive, if you're willing to do that, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. The question would be is, will you ask for forgiveness? Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you call? Will you publicly say or out loud say in your home, I need a Savior. I have sin issues. I need to ask for forgiveness. So the sermon is preached. The response comes there. And if you read on a little bit farther, at the end of verse 41, so when these words were baptized and they were added on that day, about 3,000 souls. What an exciting day for the church. I don't know how you baptize 3,000 people. It would have been fun to watch. It would have been great to be a part of. But as the gospel penetrated into your life where you said, okay, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to make a change. You know what's really interesting is 
it's interesting to me is you have these individuals that repent and 3,000 lives radically change or, you know, ex- accept the gospel or Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. It's all about Jesus. You know what's really fascinating to me is their lives changed. Because what you see next is, is you see themselves devoting themselves. So look at, and this is Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 42. I think Bible Fellowship Church, if I understand all the history I don't have all the details, but the church was kind of founded out of this passage of Scripture. And they devoting themselves to the apostles' what? Teaching, fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and prayers. And what you, what you need to do is, is, is you read on, so the Word of God is going to be something that they're going to devote themselves to. Or if you want to maybe look at it from a little bit different terminology, they're going to subject themselves to the authority of the Scriptures no matter what culture says. You know what's neat is? Their lifestyle changes. It's radically different. I mean, if you read on down this passage of Scripture, if you go, uh, so I'm, I'm going to you know, go a little bit past this. Verse 44. And all who were together... And they had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to those proceeds to all and any who were in need. It's actually like John thirteen thirty one actually came alive in their lives. That they were called to love one another. And so somebody else had a need because the gospel had impacted them and because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. They weren't thinking about retirement, which I'm not saying you shouldn't think about retirement, okay? They weren't more, they weren't more excited about, hey, I'm playing golf Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. This will be awesome. No, they're thinking about, what can I do to devote myself to the scriptures so I can impact somebody else around me? And I'm not against you playing golf. I'm not interested against people buying new clubs. I'm not sure it's really going to help them any, but you know, we'll see what happens. But they devoted themselves to something. They said, okay, Lord, because what you've done for me, I'll subject myself to the Scriptures. I'll be involved in devoting myself to fellowship. And sometimes we kind of giggle around here. We call that swallowship. You know, we're always eating somewhere. So 3 o'clock, come fellowship with us. We'll have cake over there. Probably going to have ice cream, you know. There's always food involved. And it's great. We love eating food. Uh, there's no problem with that. But you know what's really kind of neat is if you sit down and have a, a donut, you might have a converse, actually have a conversation with somebody. You might meet somebody, I know this is crazy, new. Wow. You mean you want me to eat donut hour with not the same person every week? Shocking, isn't it? I mean, it's radical revelation this morning. Who are we going to be involved with? And, and just, I mean, going to lunch with somebody, but then at the end of lunch, maybe just saying, how can I pray for you? Or I'm praying for you. Just fellowshipping with, not just, you know. And it's, I'm not, I don't want to be all about the fellowship, okay? Because sometimes it's really easy to fellowship, and it's kind of hard. How do I get the, the gospel in here? How can I say I'm praying for you without acting like I'm some goody two-shoes or whatever? Okay? prayer. 
They devoted themselves to breaking of bread and prayer. Is it a coincidence that tonight Pastor Andy's decided to show Jim Simbola's thing at 5 o'clock? Is that a coincidence? Is it true, or is there any truth that the church in America is not really motivated to pray? And it's probably because, you know what? You think you can handle life. And everything inside of you, you don't want to say these words. I need help. So be miserable. Be miserable. Because what's open to you this morning is saying, hey, I believe, guess what? The Holy Spirit was deposited in you. You have power now, what? To be witnesses. What are you supposed to do? Share the gospel. That's what Peter did. He didn't say, hey, come join our little club. We'll gather on Sunday mornings. We'll meet from 9 to noon. You can pick whatever hour you want to. Our goal is really to make you happy when you leave, so you come back. No. Our goal is to share the gospel so you have power in your life today. And in sharing the gospel, guess what? You're going to have to admit that you're a sinner. Which is an incredible place to live your life where you actually have true freedom from who all and whatever else it is. And I think a lot of you would say, you know what? I, I got forgiveness. Are you devoted to them? Are the scriptures a part of who you are? Fellowship, is it part of who you are? When was the last time you said, Father, I really don't know what to do. Would you help me? I mean, be honest with yourself. So we leave this morning. Power is available to you in a lot of different areas of your life. We have the opportunity to be a power in our witness We have the opportunity to be a better spouse today through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, would you help me love Susan today? I don't understand her. She doesn't understand me. And we're married for 24 years. It'll be in August. And we still don't understand each other. I'm a man, she's a woman, and we are totally different. That's part of your premarital counseling. But when was the last time we as men say, Father, would you help me love my spouse today? When was the last time, dads, we said, I don't know what to do. But you gave me a little gift, and they start out, I mean, enjoy them while they're little. They're going to be 17 one day. They get a little opinionated as they get older. They think they know what to do with life. They got it all figured out. And you're just praying, God, please show them sooner than later that they don't have all what they think they have. That they need you. And we lay awake at night, and God said, yeah, we'll give you a gift that's called parent. That means you don't get any sleep anymore because they go out at nighttime. They don't ask for permission. Like, Dad, well, you just just know, Dad. I'm like, no, I, I don't know. Don't know what that means. Korea team, you have power that's available to you.
be a witness. One of your greatest joys most likely is going to be when you walk into Isaac's home and see children and young adults who have absolutely very little material goods. And their living, their bedroom will probably be from maybe here to that side. And there'll be eight or ten people sleeping on the floor there. And their locker is about this wide and about this tall. And that's all they have. But they have Jesus. And he's been there a long time. And they don't need your American money. They need Jesus. And for the rest of us, grandma and grandpas, moms and dads, once you accept the truth of the gospel, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you have power. But do not fool yourself. If you don't see a devotion to the scriptures, if you don't see a devotion of being together with your church family, if you don't see a devotion to prayer, you need to ask yourself, do I really have Jesus? Because the early church, they made sure they were in church. The early church made sure that their scriptures were open, and the early church made sure that they gathered together to pray, to ask God to do some amazing things. So our worship team is going to come, and they're going to close our time together this morning. They have a couple songs, but I just wanted to be a little bit quiet this morning because I know that you are probably like me. You like to be busy and going and the noise and there's no, and that kind of defers the attention of the word of God to everybody else. But I want to just pause this morning and I want to direct the, the word of God quietly to your heart this morning before we sing a song. And as you're sitting there, I want you to listen to the still small voice. It's called the Holy Spirit. And whatever that still small voice is saying to you, I want to encourage you today to do it. Do what it says. If you need to ask for forgiveness, then say, Jesus, today, by faith, I'm putting my, my trust in you. I'm accepting the gift of Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sin. Then do that. You don't have to say it out loud. Maybe this morning is you need to be reprioritize your life to gather around some teaching around some fellowship, around some prayers. But just listen to that still, small voice this morning. And then we're quiet for just a second, then the worship team can carry on in worship, and I'll thank you for being part of our time together this morning. But hear his voice this morning before you leave. We love you, Jesus. Your name I pray.